I'm Rachel Balducci. You're listening to Spill the Tea, a product of Augusta University's Department of Communication. All right. Welcome, Augusta University. Today, we are talking sports. Once again, I'm here with Cameron, Dom over the phone, Maxwell Schaefer. So without further ado, Maxwell wants to talk college ball. All right, so last, in October, the week of October 15th, the weekend, we had a big slate of football games happen. So I'll start with the small ones first. Uh, So we had number nine, Oklahoma State, and number seven, TCU. So TCU came in the game undefeated, which they still are. They won 43-40, to which is a pretty big deal because – Oklahoma State's technically their rival, besides uh, Oklahoma. Um, Ole Miss survived Auburn at home, uh, forty-eight to thirty-four. Georgia, of course, destroyed Vanderbilt at home, fifty-five to zero. <laughs> no surprise there. Um, but the big game of the week was Alabama number six at number three Tennessee. Now that game was back and forth. All game long, uh, at the end of the first quarter, it was 21-7 Tennessee. Uh, but Alabama stormed back, as they usually do, and they made it 28-21 at half, Tennessee leading. Um, but in the end, the last three seconds, Tennessee got the ball, kicked a game-winning field goal. Knoxville went absolutely crazy. The students oh, yeah. rushed the field. It was like a riot. Rushed the yeah. fields and took the goalposts <laughs> out of the stadium and threw it in the river. Yeah. How much did they get fined for that? Uh, There's I, just uh, that many people. You can't no, find that. But the many thing people. is, though, they got fined a lot of money. I don't know the specifics. I can look it up and I'll get back to you. But they, it was so much money that the football team put out on Twitter a GoFundMe page <laughs> for their like, fans to help them pay for the field goals. Is it like $10,000? It was a lot of money. Uh, a couple thousand just because, like, I know I know for basketball, if you storm the court, it's like 5,000. Yeah. But I don't know about football. Yeah. Uh, and then also, Alabama had 17 penalties that game. Oh, yeah. That is unheard of. Yeah. Tennessee that, had that'd do t- it to you. Tennessee had two. So, I mean, you can't really – I mean, it's a little fishy that – I mean, the game was in Knoxville. Yeah. So – I mean, I don't. I'm not saying anything about the refs. The refs called the game. I can't be like they called unfair against Alabama. I don't like Alabama. I'm a dog fan. Go dogs. But I mean, 17 penalties in one game. Yeah, that's unheard of. That is pretty crazy. The entire thing with that ordeal is uh, I don't really watch college ball, but everyone knows someone who watches college ball, and my friend Carter. He's from Tennessee. He moved here from Murfreesboro. And I saw on his Instagram post that it had been the first time Tennessee beat Alabama since, like, 2008. Which, to me, like, that's that's brutal. <laughs> like, like, that many years of just going winless against one specific team. I'd also go mad if it was the first <laughs> time I got a dub over someone yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, but the thing is, though, when in that game there's, like, a tradition, whoever wins the football game – between Alabama and Tennessee gets to smoke like a victory cigar. 
So like, <laughs> so like the whole time Alabama's just always doing it and taking pictures and trolling Tennessee. Yeah. So they finally got to do it and troll Alabama, but I think they went a little too far and overboard of their celebration. They got fined a hundred thousand dollars for storming the field. That's that's what going winless does to you. That was in it's in, it's insane. And then they <laughs> Tennessee's looking very strong football wise. They just beat. I mean, it's Louisiana or uh, UL Monroe. So, I mean, that wasn't that hard of a team. But uh, they're playing Kentucky next week at Tennessee. I think Tennessee will win that game. But then the next weekend, it's Tennessee at Georgia in Athens, three thirty. Number three, Team Tennessee. Number one, Team Georgia. I mean, dogs got a defense. Tennessee does not have a defense. We've seen this time and time again. They let Florida score 34 points on them. They let Alabama score 48 points on them. I mean, I I think that when you look at college football, it comes down to, yes, offense is really key and powerful because it gets you points, but the defensive aspect, defense wins you championships in football. So I think that the game, yes, it's going to be close, but I just think in the end, Georgia's defense is unlike anything Tennessee's seen. So I think the dogs will take it, win, win the SEC championship, and then Georgia go back to back national championships. Mark my words, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to listen to this later and see if you spoke truth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to hold you to that standard yeah. now. We just went yeah. back and we're like, Max is right. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's hope. Yeah, so what happened in the NBA last night? NBA last night, uh, I don't know specifically about last night, but the season's just started, so we're out in preseason. So there's no more like feeling out people. There's no more playing like role players and whatnot. You're getting everyone's starters if they're not injured. And um, the weird thing... Uh, is LeBron James and his Lakers are really struggling. They didn't do terribly well last season, if I remember. But they're 0-4 for four right now, which is markably bad. Especially for LeBron. For, for LeBron especially, since everyone's always hold him, held him to that gold standard of, like, Michael Jordan. Golden child in the, in, uh, oh, yeah. the goat yeah, talk. The chosen yeah. one, yeah. yeah, right? So, like, to, for him to start out 0-4 is rough. Granted, it's an 82-game season, but... Uh, it was just so weird. And the main attribution to it is the fact they can't hit three-pointers. Yeah. Which in today's game is... The name of the game. Unusual. Yeah. Because, like, since Stephen Curry came onto the scene, there's just been this explosion of three-point shots. Yeah. Entire game plans revolve around three-point shots. It's been like that for a while. And uh, the weird part, it's like it's... Tw- they're shooting about, like, 21%. From three, yeah, and it, they're approaching historic numbers with how bad they're missing. So I remembered one of the teams that they compared them to was like the Washington Bullets back when Washington was referred to as the Washington Bullets. So this is an older team in the eighties, yeah, and they shot similar numbers. The difference with them is that they shot considerably less and missed more. Another statistic they had was, like, compared to Charles Barkley, the worst three-point shooter, (laughs) that entire team, as a collective whole, between five players on the court at any time, are shooting similar to Charles Barkley at his worst. So (laughs) it's not good. And on top of that, they've shot 38. Yeah. 38 attempts and about 
only 21% of 30 rated is going in. It's about like nine shots. Yeah, that's... For four games in, yeah. that's pretty awful. Yeah. So it's uh, a really scary time for LeBron. And, you know, they're also packing Russell Westbrook with them. So, yeah. like, you know, he's never been a good three-point shooter. Yeah. And LeBron's kind of his own locker room cancer. Russell Westbrook's his own locker room cancer. You just nah, got all these players moving cancer. at once. Yeah. They really need a trade. <laughs> yeah, I think they really they need, need some, a trade. Yeah. But who let Charles Barkley become a three-point shooter? Like, that man is a big he body. Wasn't, he wasn't a three-point shooter. That was the yeah, thing. Yeah, I know. That's I don't understand why he did it. That's why it's so startling. Yeah. It's like, how can the Lakers as a collective whole, with all the players here in the year 2022, how can they miss that badly? Yeah. Like, Charles Barkley was just this big, big, big boy. dog. He'd just walk, going. Bully you down hate. from the forward position. He was a yeah. short power forward, yeah. too. But he was just really strong. He'd muscle it up in there yeah. every time. But that was his game. Yeah. That's not the Lakers. <laughs> the <laughs> no, Lakers need a hit. <laughs> no, nah, I think in the aspect of the game, it's three points. Mm-hmm. Three-pointer. Like Steph Curry, you have the Warriors. They knock down threes constantly. You have the Splash Bros. Warriors. You have Milwaukee has a sharpshooter. I don't know his name. You have uh, the Nets have sharpshooters. Kyrie Irving can shoot from three. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant can hit threes. Oh, yeah. Who do the Lakers have? LeBron maybe will hit maybe – one every four shots. LeBron can, but that man's, like, historically and throughout most of his career, all the work he gets done is in the post. Yeah. And, like, just if I looked at the roster, and Russell Westbrook, too, him not being able to shoot threes is pretty bad. I think, honestly, the Lakers should, I don't know, is is he still on the bench, Russell? Russell, I, I don't think so. I feel like if Russell's not contributing, like, he was in Oklahoma, the Thunder. Then he should be benched. Yeah, no, he's definitely starting because the point guard behind him is Patrick Beverly, who's a defensive dog. Yeah, uh, at the point guard position. It's you know why? You know why they got him? Because LeBron cannot get past him. Yeah, they had to pick him up so that LeBron, when he played the who, who was Patrick, the Clippers, was yeah, it the Clippers? Wait, he you yeah when he yeah. played for the Clippers. He he locked he locked LeBron down every single game they played. LeBron's average, he LeBron averages usually around like what thirty to forty points a game, usually. Yeah, and now now on maybe a little less. A, maybe a little less now. Yeah. So maybe so maybe like 25, 20, 28, yeah. something like that. When he played Patrick Beverly in the Clippers, yeah. man, if he could break twenty, that was an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Because Patrick Beverly plays with such a chip on his shoulder defensively, yeah. it is insane. Yeah, and there are there are just some players who are like that. Uh, but still, like Russell Westbrook, it's like when when that guy is getting most of the minutes from that position, you know, you're not gonna get that. But really, they need someone who could land a shot for the life of them. Yeah, uh, they have Anthony Davis at, at the four. You yeah. Know, it, you're not gonna get rid of Anthony Davis. That man's really good. Yeah, he's LeBron's really good. Really good. But LeBron, you still need that third piece. Yeah. So who, I think you need the surrounding, like the role players, too. Yeah. You need those guys to also step up. So who do you think that the Lakers should uh, hypothetically trade for to get that that sh- uh, sharpshooter guy from three? I have no idea. It, it's also like the cap situation and yeah. perceived value. Yeah. Like, if you, this was Russell Westbrook when he was still with Oklahoma, There'd be no issue. That'd be fine. Yeah, there'd be no issue. But it's now the fact that he has the big contract. 
and he is doing only as good as he is now. And the yeah. fact that the Lakers are now four, like that's heading in the direction of a team that's going to be looking for lottery. Yeah, that's that's also problematic when you have those super max contracts and LeBron and Anthony Davis. So really, I don't know. Like they, you'd be caught between having to settle down, go down, just trying to get like picks. Yeah, for the next draft. Or you try to have to come up with some combo package that will get you that big third piece, and yeah. then you don't know who you're you're sacrificing. You know, you don't know all those bench players, all those role players. Which one of those guys are going to be any good? You know, like I haven't watched the NBA in a terribly long time, so I can't come up with those names. Yeah, but I know enough to where you obviously you can read the writing on the wall, even from a layman's perspective like mine. Yeah, I know, very tough. Very yeah. tough situation. Do you think that the Lakers organization, like, I, you're talking about max contracts, like, yeah, mm-hmm. they they have three players that are two players right now that have them. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, their contracts max out. That's their cap. Their cap is, like, crazy. Yeah. But, like, do you think that their organization's just getting these players because people like them and they'll come and watch the games for, like, revenue? Or do you think that they think those people can lead them to another NBA Finals? Yeah, that's certainly um, yeah, that's certainly something to consider. You definitely have all those. Uh, LeBron James is a big cash cow. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Anthony cr- Davis yeah. paired up with LeBron James. That's a cash cow. In Los Angeles. Oh yeah, yeah in Los Angeles. People come from everywhere to go see LeBron yeah. play. But like the the way the cap works is you get that set amount based off what the organization could put out for that year, and the CFA as a whole. Um, but when like <laughs> when you have all those max contracts going in all at once, especially for guys like LeBron, if I pull it up, Russell Westbrook is making forty-seven million dollars. Goodness gracious! Forty-seven million dollars just on Russell great. Westbrook. Forty-seven million dollars put at what seven points a game? <sighs> Not that bad. Um, okay, but, yeah. eight Le- points LeBron's a game. LeBron's <laughs> sitting on forty-four million. Wow, that cl- it's that close. Thirty-seven million. Patrick Beverly just coming off the bench. That's someone who makes $13 million. So you factor into that. You get all the minimum contracts. You can't afford depth. Yeah. You're playing those guys 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to compete. Like, the guys on the bench, they're not nearly developed enough. I mean, you got, like, Schroeder. You got Thomas Bryan, Troy Brown Jr. Like, those guys are they're, they're interesting. I players. feel like Schroeder, though, is he's a... Uh typically a bench guy. He's, I don't see him ever being a starter. Not since Atlanta. Like, yeah, not since Atlanta. Ever since he left Atlanta, bench yeah. guy. He's yeah. very good off the a bench. Good off bench, but yeah. you're, you're Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. You've got Patrick Beverly. Yeah. You've also got guys like Lonnie Walker and uh, Austin Reeves, any like second-round draft picks, guys they pick up from the summer league, so... You know, there's there's a positional issue there as well. So yeah, they really need to figure out some way to dump Russell Westbrook, and it's just not going to be easy because when you're the Lakers, you have to trade. Getting back to the other question, like what do you do here? Yeah, you're gonna have to cut off an arm and a leg if you really want to get rid of that contract. Yeah, and like Russell's putting up ten on twenty eight point nine percent from the field, six rebounds, four assists. That's I'm no genius. That's not forty-seven million dollars worth to me. Mm-hmm. Nah, but if you pull if you pulled up his numbers from when he was in uh, OK City, mm-hmm. that those numbers 
I feel like his contract could be just as much as LeBron's. Yeah. That's also the thing with contracts is they're set in five-year amounts. It's kind of like a little bit in, like, politics where you see things in the way of, like, four- to five-year plans. Yeah. The NBA kind of works in the same way, yeah. except the assets, the player, and the whole policy is the player. Yeah. So, like a guy like Russell Westbrook, when you pick up that max contract at that time, you're like, how long is this going to carry out for? Because yeah. there's like that age limit in your mind. You know, there's like he's good from in his prime. He'll probably be good from 27, 32. Yeah. If we're lucky, he might be able to take past LeBron's old. For, LeBron for is old. NBA player, yeah. But he's LeBron yeah. James. He can pull his weight, and Anthony Davis can pull his weight. But Russell Westbrook, you know, like most, most other players, by the time they hit that, like, 32 mark, they're getting they, – they, you see the notable decline, just yeah. from physicality alone. Yeah. And you expect that their, their skills carry them through. But, again, Russ can't really shoot. Russ was a guy who built his entire foundation of just how athletic he is. Yeah. So Steph Curry is a once-in-a-lifetime player. He doesn't need to be that physical. He doesn't need to be that imposing – he shoots the ball from 50 feet away, and goes he into the it. net, yeah. he goes in. Yeah. That guy, he could be there until he's 50. Mm-hmm. And he'll still be worth millions of dollars. Yeah, he might, He might. Brady. yeah, Steph Curry might mm-hmm. lose his handles just a little bit, but I don't see that shot going yeah. away. Like, he'll lose some of the speed, but, like, the, the finger roll layup, that's still there. The shot, that'll always be Hey, there. and he might try to dunk a few times. We every never now know. And every now and every now and then it might go in. It it's might not, not a very, yeah, it's not a very like uh, strong or powerful dunk, but it's up there. Yeah, I, well, I remember watching the NBA All Star game and he <laughs> he tried so hard to dunk the ball. I remember Isaiah Thomas tried it once and he was like, "Never doing that again." <laughs> Speaking of Isaiah Thomas, every time someone brings up Russell Westbrook, you're talking about like there's a like a mm-hmm. prime. Mm-hmm. I think of Isaiah Thomas. I think Russell Westbrook is he- heading towards being Isaiah Thomas status where. Teams just throw them around one-year contract and just... Once that max contract's over right now, like, just the situation, you have a guy like that that's dead cap. Yeah. Someone like that that's that's a weight on the organization's shoulders. And, again, like, you'd have to cost yourself an arm and a leg to get rid of that contract alone. Yeah. So it just makes more sense from the generational standpoint just to sit on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of going back on... Um, what we talked about in the last uh, last podcast, talking about um, the upcoming Berlin Marathon and that happened on uh, September twenty fifth, and um, Elliot Kipchoge, um, he won, he did win the race, and mm-hmm. he broke the world record for the marathon, running a two hours one minute and nine seconds, and that's insane. Yeah, that's that pretty insane. insane. <laughs> Still not. I feel like for me at least, I'm like. Now that's been like a couple of years since he like broke two and like the little like you know one fifty nine challenge like since it's not technically a race it's not a world record but it's like for me I'm kind of like waiting on that moment when it's like okay he broke two like <laughs> and it's finally under for the world record but uh, it it might not be him and it might take a while not sure but at least for the Berlin Marathon like that was a big achievement broke down his record by a good couple of seconds. I don't remember exactly how much. Dom, do you know how much um, Kipchoge broke the record from? Uh, I don't remember exactly. I think it was like, I want to say around 30 to 40 seconds. It wasn't, it was, a, well, in the running world, it's a big jump, but yeah. number-wise, it wasn't really that big. Yeah, I mean, that's a decent amount when you get to those 
when you get to world record speed, anything, oh, yeah. anything, yeah. Is, that's a lot. That's a, it's, it's, a, it's only because, like, he breaks it by a few seconds. Yeah. But uh, unless you physically do it yourself, you'll never understand. That's a freak of nature right there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's I mean, a like, freak of nature. That's insane. With yeah. how long the marathon is, like, a few seconds is, like, barely anything for how long the marathon is. But, like, when you start getting towards the world record, it's still world record. It's even a, if you yeah. need it on, on paper, yeah, that your doesn't name sound is, like your name anything. Is right there. It's like yeah. Look, I mean, because when you look at the stat sheet, you feel like it's saturated a bit, and then you just like, well, how many average people, how many average track and field athletes that could do, smoke yeah. the average person in a rig? <laughs> like once you get into that idea of levels with pro athletes, yeah. it, that it is just something inconceivable. Yeah, yeah. Do you think when someone breaks the world record like that, do you think that they? stay humble about it or do you think they get a little bit cocky about it uh i mean running like with at least with the running like i don't really feel like more normally especially with like a Choge, like he's a pretty humble guy like he knows like people call him the goat all the time and stuff you know like like yeah. lebron but it's like undisputable marathon goat like no undisputable mm-hmm. um and like i i don't like he never has came off as cocky but there are those runners that when they win like get a goal at the Olympics or something, like, they're cocky. Yeah. But yeah. Kachoga, at least, he's a pretty humble guy. He's seemingly humble. Do you – I don't know what her name is. She raced for USA in the Olympics. Um, But she was the most cockiest person ever, like, running-wise. Hmm. She would, like, oh, win uh, – Yeah, that's her. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah she I was – that was the most cockiest, like, runner ever I've ever met. My, I've never ever yeah. seen in my life. She would win the race, turn around, and, like, like look at him and, like, laugh at him. I mean, or, like, have you look seen at Usain Bolt before? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Usain Bolt, though, that <laughs> means a freak. That <laughs> means crazy. Yeah. Some people just have different temperaments. It's also kind of dependent on the sport you're in. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to sure. be, uh, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but if you are a disc golfer, it's really hard to brag about <laughs> it and come <laughs> off as cool. Uh, there are certain sports where, like you, you, like naturally, if you do something and it's very flashy, if you hit a three sixty windmill yeah. dunk, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> you know? Are you? And, you know, yeah. Are you hit like a four hundred sixty eight uh, foot home run? You're like, hey man, not other people can do that. Yeah. yeah. But like golf or bowling or cornhole, it's a little hard to Spike do. Balls. Yeah. You could do it in track and field, definitely, because yeah. oh, that's, yeah. like, a very explosive physical sport. Like, especially know? sprinting. Like, sprinting tends to be more a cocky thing, uh-huh. like, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like, I, it's like throwing yeah. this Cause that's fast the, twitch. Yeah. That, that's the that's, glory sport right that's there. That's what you that, I remember you were, like, the kids that are, like, the fastest in school, like, they did the same thing. They beat you, like, ha I'm faster than you. So I could see sprinters being the exact same way. <laughs> the winning and be like, oh, you're slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There seems to be the, like a respect for at least some Olympic sports. Like yeah. people normally aren't cocky. Like uh, at least with like cross country and track, like at least the long distance stuff. Like I've hardly ever ran into people that are cocky. Like people that are cocky are like the people that you're like, don't mind them. Like mm-hmm. they're just they're just full of themselves. Yeah. And yeah. like the same was like when I did Olympic weightlifting, like when I was in middle school. That was the same kind of atmosphere where everyone's like supportive of each other because everyone knows they're like pushing themselves as hard yeah. as they can. Yeah. And I think like swimming's like that too. I, I've never swam before, like comparatively. Yeah. But like at least from some of the Olympic sports, like it's not quite cocky like how some of like the 
bigger mainstream sports can be like basketball yeah. or even soccer or football or something yeah. like that. Yeah, some sometimes it's attributed to how much money you can make as well. Um, as someone who's constantly around yeah. combat sports, that's certainly the case. Uh, some of those fighters don't make nearly enough money to where yeah. it's worth it for them to be humble. So some of them go yeah. out there, they just talk all the possible crap they can in the hopes that they'll get a better matchup and that people will like tune in and whatnot. I remember Muhammad Ma'ali, when he was in his prime back when they were fighting in black and white against um, Sonny Listen, like they asked him, it was like, are you ever afraid when you get in there? And he's like, yes, I'm definitely afraid. It was like, is it because you're <laughs> a opponent? He's like, not at all. The reason I'm afraid is because I talk this big game and if I mess up, these people are going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad it doesn't happen in the UFC, honestly. <laughs> no, what's it called? Were you talking about people being cocky? So switching over to MLB, we were talking about like last uh, uh, episode on sports about the MLB right. and everyone that was in there. Um, the Yankees were playing the Guardians in the wild card, or not the wild card, the uh, ALDS, ALCDS, I don't know, the divisional series of the American League. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Yankees won. They The Guardians and the Yankees went to game five. Uh, the game four, actually, Josh Naylor hit a home run off Garrett Cole, which is the Yankees' ace. Uh, Naylor is the first baseman for the Guardians, and he started rocking a baby and looking at uh, Garrett Cole. So in game five, the game was in uh, the Bronx in New York, and – Every time the Yankees would score, he'd they'd look over to the dugout of the Guardians and rock the baby at Naylor. Wow. <laughs> so when the when the Yankees beat the Guardians to go to the uh, the championship of the uh, AL uh, division, they looked at him and they just kept rocking the baby, Dang. just rocking it like that. I so I've heard of that. Like, yeah, happening like online. It was it was pretty cool, but then. Now my Yankees just got swept by the Astros, so it's oh, not looking right. too good. Yeah. Astros are seven and zero in the postseason, which is insane. Yeah. So so and then uh, they won the series four games to zero against the Yankees. The Phillies actually beat the Padres, won the series four to one uh, in the top of the eighth. Uh, Bryce Harper hit a two run home run, and uh, I think it was game number five, game four. And uh, beat the Padres four to three to send the Phillies to the World Series. So it's the Astros and Phillies in the World Series. Seven zero in the postseason. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, their their bullpen's putting up an ERA that's like zero point eight three, uh, which yeah. is unheard of. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember when the Warriors were at the height of their power. The real concern was if they went undefeated in the postseason, if they were going to have to write some legislation up. Yeah, to like <laughs> break up the team or something like that. It was something. Are you talking about the season where they went like a hundred something? It, it was when they acquired Kevin Durant, and, yeah. and the whole focus was like, is this like some unstoppable force? And I yeah. think there was the Cavs. I think took one off in the finals. Yeah, they they managed to sneak one off of the Warriors. So it was like no, but that that season was that was the Warriors were winning that season. Everyone knew it, yeah. and Cavs. Yeah, they they won one game, but the, it was. Yeah. It was the, it was the personal interests of guys like Kevin Durant after the two rings that even broke that up. They could have ran that for another four years and they would have won. The Warriors won without KD. Yeah. So I mean, I honestly think the Warriors could win it again this year. Yeah. They're looking very yeah. good. I think the NBA is better off for 
Katie's decision to go to the Nets, though, because yeah. at least there's like more of a sense of parity. Yeah. There's a, that like there's eight super teams, but if there's eight super teams, there isn't really. It's better than not just super two. teams. It's better than you just know? one big. It's super just team. the way they stack up the teams, and then the bottom half of the NBA is just really weak. Which I mean, hey, sometimes you have those Cinderella yeah. teams. Yeah, not, they'll make yeah. it. It just happens. You know, sometimes it just happens. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, we covered a lot in a really short amount of time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it did not feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're at like 20 minutes plus. It does not feel like it. But, uh, yeah, we get to wrap it up now. Um, we'll probably do another one of these. Uh, I'm not sure when. But thank you all for listening. The Dom, Cameron, Gerardo, Maxwell, we're out of here. Bye. Peace. See you.